The following dragon tutorial is not intended for children. Children should never ride a dragon without adult supervision. Also, anything expressed by our dragon trainers is not reflective of their supervisors. Anywho, here's how to train your dudes. But what? Dudes? What? Uh, don't, shouldn't this say dragons? Dragons, right? We're talking about how to train your dragon? Not Forget it. Start the show. Welcome! Welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. Dude Two, Joe, and Happy New Year! Happy New Year, everyone! Yes, it is now officially 2021. Goodbye, 2020. Even though we're in the past. Well, it's 2020 now, but it's gonna be 2021. Soon. We destroy the illusion. Or, or, you could just pretend you didn't hear any of that. Illusion intact. No? No? Did that not work? Yeah. Did that help? Did that help at all? No? My dog's barking. Nothing's changed, except hopefully more people have been vaccinated by this point. Uh, speaking of that, before, we, before I ask you how you are, um... A uh, family friend of mine, because they because vaccines started coming in fairly early in Ohio, like we got early access. Um, right. A family friend who's also a, a frontline worker, she got uh, one of the she got the Pfizer or one of the vaccines today, and she was on like the national news and stuff. So that was really cool. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. So the vaccine is is starting up, and I'm so excited. Um, but. Anyway, past that, um, how are you, dude, too? I'm fine. Uh, at this point, um, you know, just uh, because just we're recording this before uh, 2021 hits, but, you know, still dealing with holiday shenanigans and just the, just the anxiety of everything going on right now, but uh, doing okay. I'm still trying to figure out my, my video for the YouTube channel, so if your folks are still waiting for that, it's it's on it's in the works. It's just you know, uh, delayed because things. I I mean I'm sitting in anticipation over here. I'm just like, am I gonna get a notification? Am I gonna get some kind of a message? Like what's gonna happen? Is he gonna say it's up? Is he gonna say it's ready to be edited? I don't know. I I just I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm just so nervous. I'm freaking out right now. Joey, are you okay? I'm okay. Oh God. Yes, I, I'm fine. Or at least as fine as I can be, given the circumstances. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad you're okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's 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 alright. But what have I been doing? But I actually been reconfiguring sort of like my 4K TV while I've been watching some movies over the past couple of days. And we'll, we'll get into that when we talk about our actual films. And it actually looks a lot better now. You know, I didn't realize how much I had to sort of 
you know, play around with the settings to make it work for my particular uh, viewing environment. But it's been looking pretty great as far as like movie viewing. It's it's been uh, it looks great. I mean, when I play video games, it looks awesome. But like when I watched movies before, it just kind of had this this like this gray look about it. Honestly, when it wasn't like a bright scene, right? But now it looks a lot like crispier. Like it pops more. Yeah, it looks more like a more more like a theater experience. Which we'll get to that subject. But how are you? I'm all right. Um. I got my wisdom tooth taking out. I don't know if I mentioned that. I, I I don't remember half the things I say in the last few podcasts that we record. Things just come <laughs> out of my mouth. But if I didn't mention that I got my tooth removed, I did. Um, it was my back top right wisdom tooth, and so we actually like had to like pre-record a lot of our last few episodes because of that just to prep and so that you know i wasn't like out of commission but i'm fine now thankfully um it's just it's just kind of a weird sensation but i'm I'm getting used to it really it's just it sucks when like food gets stuck back there every now and then i'm like it's it's not fun but you know that because you don't have your wisdom teeth yeah i had i had three of mine removed and my process went thankfully very smooth, even like after like like the post op and all that. Because I hear horror stories sometimes. Uh, seems like you're doing okay so far, but I do hear sometimes people they come back and it's just like, Ugh. but with luckily with with my like oral surgeon, I always tell you this story. Uh, yes, he, he, he looked at my <laughs> he, he looked at my teeth and and he goes like, you know, all right, it looks looks pretty good. Uh, if you need anything, call the office. Otherwise, have a nice life. And he shook my hand and I never saw him again. <laughs> Next thing you know, 2021, you're just going to be like, I got to go to the dentist. Like, got to go see him again. Shoot. He already told me nice life. I got to go to another one. <laughs> <laughs> I can't go to the same one. Oh, man. But. I got yeah so so that happened. I got my my tooth removed. Um I've been playing a lot more video games recently. I mean, we've had more time cuz we've been uploading every so often versus every week and you know, we prepped a lot of episodes, so I've just had a lot of time to to sit around and play games. So I've been playing uh the new Assassin's Creed still and I picked up the ever talked about lately uh Cyberpunk 2077, which is actually a lot of fun. Like it's it's a really like in like crazy like detailed in-depth kind of like rpg style game and it's in first person so like it kind of makes you and if you put your headphones on it kind of makes you just feel more like you're the character that you made so it's just really like kind of crazy um it does because i am playing it on a ps4 pro which i hadn't heard that the pro was having issues i thought it was just the base model of the ps4 but i i mean maybe i'm just misunderstanding everything but i am experiencing some glitches at this point and i know they're saying that a, a patch is coming out soon but even even though there are glitches and, and a few things there it's still a hell of a lot of fun and just the whole like world the whole experience the way they built it up it's pretty impressive and i i'm hanging out with keanu reeves at the moment so I, I've met his character, and one of the cool things, like, you know, the whole, like, you're breathtaking, like, that whole thing? Yeah. In photo mode, that's one of the positions that you can do. So you can, and it looks just like, like, even, like, his foot was bent a little bit, so it's, like, the you're breathtaking pose. And there's times you play as his character, so you can make Keanu Reeves do that pose again. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> so that, I thought that was really cool. So, like, right when it was one of the, like, 
like moments where you play as him. I did that, and it was great. Uh, my family took a uh, group photo for the for for Christmas. I think we did that yesterday. Yeah, because today's Monday. Yeah, we did it yesterday. If I'm being if I'm being honest, I've never I don't really like doing that kind of stuff. Like the big kind of like I just I've never really been into like doing those kinds of stuff. Like I like taking pictures and I like modeling a little bit because it's a little bit fun you just like do silly things and like pose and do all this stuff but i don't know like maybe maybe it's just i don't know i just never really liked this type of stuff but you know it i was able to set some terms and say photographer has to wear a mask stay six feet apart we're doing it entirely outside no one's going inside anywhere and uh the photographer who is a really good friend of my sister's you know she did a good job so at least at least she did a good job and it's something she likes to do so i encourage her uh to continue that passion if it's something that she likes to do it's just it's just i always found those kinds of experiences somewhat weird admittedly but other than that that's all i've really been doing i remember as a kid having to do like the holiday photos for like the christmas cards with my little brother Mm -hmm. and like there's some fun pictures but like man it is like a ton of just preparation. Mom having to pick up the right outfits. You have to sit in a specific way, and I'm like, this is basically just me taking my like my staff picture, like a bunch. And you're making a kid do making a kid do that. Like it, it's you know I'm no no disrespect to anybody who who likes doing that, but it, it, it's I I totally feel I feel where I like I like spontaneous pictures I like selfies I like spot like just selfies where yeah. you're making like yeah. faces and things like that I like when you take pictures when it just feels like perfect at the moment and it feels like it's uh, like you're capturing the moment itself like when we were in New York and like we were in Times Square and I took picture of you um, next to like the the Broadway ads like the billboards and then sticking your arms up in front of the uh, the ball um uh the Mm. the new year's uh ball in Times square like that felt like a spontaneous but also like like it was staged but it was it felt of the moment you know what i mean i also liked uh one of my what am i I always i always take a lot of weird pictures of my girlfriend shout out to allison you know where it's like people do the people i have like really like these gorgeous like like photo finish like style pictures i'll have her holding up like a stuffed donut or like we're both wearing sunglasses <laughs> inside or we're like on Lake Tahoe, just sticking our tongues out. Some, some, those are some great pictures, but you know, as the, as the pictures really are, they're really nice. And lately they've, they've been helping uh, a lot as far as, you know, easing the, um, you know, the feelings of anxiety and, and, you know, all of that stuff. I feel that I do. And again, and again, um, no disrespect to anyone that likes to do that kind of stuff. My sister being one of those people that likes doing that kind of stuff. Um, and also the, the photographer did a really, really good job. I was very proud. I was very proud and excited and she did a very good job. That's just my, my, my personal feelings towards the, the act itself. Nothing's yeah. specific. I just want to emphasize no. that. Oh yeah. No, no, no. I totally get it. Cause, cause I mean, I already know that the moment, I, my family hears me say that they're like oh what you don't like spending time with us they take it kind of personal <laughs> and i and i know like, and i know what you, is this listen listen tina ken uh jelly i know if you're listening to this richard loves you very much that that is the, the only reason why he says the things that he says because he loves you if he yeah. wa- <laughs> you know like <laughs> my opinions have not changed of you guys ever so 
<laughs> it's just um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I do love you. It's crazy, right? <laughs> but um, there was one thing I wanted to uh, going away from that because I already know I'm gonna get some crap for that anyway. But <laughs> going away from that, I did have a question for you real quick before we really get into our our movies today because. Obviously, by this point, people will have already heard talked about this. This will still be kind of an old thing, but I think the way that I'm going to ask this will still be very relevant by that point. But obviously, in case you guys haven't heard by now, all of the 2021 film releases from Warner Brothers is going to be released both in theaters and on their streaming service, HBO Max. And obviously, a lot of people have had some things to say about this. You know, us, we've talked about it. Uh, Joey and I have talked about this together, to just in general, just conversation. But there is one thing that I've noticed in this whole, like, bit of news that keeps coming up. And it's this idea of, like, the, the, the filmmakers and the studio kind of, like, being at odds with each other. You know, like, I, we've seen people praising Christopher Nolan for taking down HBO Max, but we also have heard a lot of people praising uh, Warner Brothers and HBO Max and kind of, you know, crapping on at least Christopher Nolan. Not the direct, not all the directors, but Christopher Nolan specifically. So my question to you is, where do you lie on this spectrum uh, when it comes to movie releases at this point in our lives between the directors and the studio? Okay, so this specifically on the HBO Max matter because this is the biggest this is the biggest thing going on right now. And I would argue that this um if people we've been saying like oh this could kill the theaters, that could kill the theaters. I feel like this deal this this HBO Max um you know, putting all the mo- putting their slate of movies which were going to be exclusively theatrical in their 3-month window or whatever are now going to HBO Max for a month. And at the same time as the theaters, you know, theaters agreed that, okay, we'll do this one time for Wonder Woman, you know, that's fine, we get it, we'll do it one time for Wonder Woman. And then Warner Brothers kind of, in a, in a way, stabbed their business partners in the back. Because apparently Legendary didn't find out about this until a half hour before they were going to announce it. And mm-hmm. keep this in mind, folks, like, okay, I don't feel you shouldn't feel sympathy for a billion dollar corporation in general and i think that's where most of my gripes with people saying hooray hbo max come from but like you like legendary put up 75 percent of the budgets for godzilla versus kong and dune and both movies i really want to see by the way and you you just say okay we're gonna put these movies on hbo max i get it the distributor gets to choose how these things are exhibited but you still have to pay the people who helped you make those products. You have to pay those people. Like Yes, you do. With Wonder Woman 84, the reason why it's like that one is a little more like I'm okay with it is because they paid the, pe- the people involved. They said they hashed it, was it out. It was very contentious. They hashed it out. It was a, a yeah. long and bitter thing, but they hashed it out. And they were like, I think the the logic I've heard is like, okay, we figured this movie would have grossed a billion dollars pre-pandemic, so we're going to sort of pay you out in a weird way, sort of like that. But there's so many details around this. My point is, like, I get wanting just the instant access to this stuff. You don't feel safe going to movie theater. I don't feel safe going to movie theater right now. But beyond that, 
you're you're siding with the major corporations as opposed to the artists who actually make the movies. Like for this, I'm sp- saying this to not saying this to not saying this to you. I'm saying this to people out there. You know, and and I get it. You know, there a lot of these people are millionaire like directors, like Christopher Nolan especially. Christopher Nolan took home a pretty penny from you know from Tenet, despite the fact that you know Tenet didn't do very well theatrically. And I, I feel like a lot of people. Are, are saying like, oh, well, the, the they just want theaters open now and they want people to die. And I, I at least for Denny Villeneuve, I was reading his, his article because he had like a thing on Variety. And he was saying like, you know, once the pandemic is over, theaters will be filled with people. You know, who knows when that's going to be? But it doesn't sound like he's like saying, okay, yes, definitely send people into theaters immediately. You know, I don't care who gets killed. You know, no, I, I think yeah, I think the, yeah. the filmmakers in Hollywood and the obviously HBO Max and all that are a lot smarter than that. That's why they're offering the option to stream it. But you also have to discuss these things with your business partners ultimately. Like that's just good ethic. That's just good business ethics. That like you like it's just it's just and you have to do it because if you don't, that's I mean, that's BS, first of all. You're you're basic like you were saying earlier, you're stabbing your you know, your people you're working with in the back. And also, not to mention too, like not saying that they're going to do this, but they were talks with the the Directors Guild of America potentially potentially doing a boycott, which doesn't just mean the Directors Guild because if one guild is like going to strike against a studio, the other guilds w- will follow suit. Basically, like the the Writers Guild would follow more than likely, the Screen Actors Guild would follow, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that puts Warner Brothers in a very, very precarious position. And I guess my final thing is, look, at this point in time, you you have two options. You could delay your movie or put it on streaming or premium video on demand, whatever. Those are your options. But what you can't do is just basically abandon your business partners like that. You can't abandon the artists who helped make your you know, potential, your potential tent poles and stuff, especially, especially when they're people like Christopher Nolan, like, especially when they're people like that or Denny Villeneuve or, you you know, you gotta be, you gotta work it out. Like you worked it out with Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot. You gotta do it. You gotta work it out. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with every, every single thing. Like it's, it's funny because like, I, I think of Christopher Nolan this whole time being like, one of the most like prominent voices in in like saving in his words saving the movie theater business and the way and i think and this is part of the reason why i think there is animosity the other way around is because it's christopher nolan mostly because yeah. he is the way he handled everything like i still remember getting messages from people going you know christopher nolan you know he doesn't know anything and i'm like the way he approached it wasn't good <laughs> i mean he he put a lot of the focus first and foremost on releasing the movie on its release date during a pandemic when it was still we're like we're still in the thick of it now but like we were very much like at the beginnings of it and uh it was all about his movie he wasn't like you know anyone else like i think of like edgar wright who was also someone who's very like a like a prominent voice on social media talking about keeping movie theaters alive but i think i think he did it a lot better because he wasn't saying, "Oh, go see all of my movies in theaters." Like, "Oh, go see like this in theaters." Like, you like he was saying, like, you know, support. Like, he was supporting his local movie theater, 
and he was going to his local movie theater and being safe about it, as safe as you can be doing something like that. And he was saying, you know, check out some some older movies and support, you know, the local theaters and support those businesses. Like we've said various times on this podcast, it wasn't go see Tenant. It'll save movie theaters. You know, go see it now. It'll be in theaters so you can see it. And just I think like I can definitely it was I can definitely understand wanting the movie theaters to prosper and or want them to thrive and survive past this whole thing. So I get where he's coming from, but at the same time I think Nolan handled it very poorly. In a way, I, I'm thinking that's where a lot of the animosity, the other direction comes from, but I completely 110% agree that you, that's just bad business. And Warner Brothers lately, these days, has been doing a lot of bad business. <laughs> and, you know, people are going to bring up, like, with Disney, because that that's because Disney also had their recent, like, investors thing. Yeah. At least Disney is, com- is committing to putting things in theaters, and the way it feels like, it feels like that Disney is respectful of its business partners in comparison to Warner Brothers. That's not to say yeah. Disney is the greatest, like, most benevolent corporation. No. If you're a billion-dollar corporation, you're probably going to have some nasty practices, just saying. But Warner Brothers, like, just look, you, have to, you just have to look at what Warner Brothers did for, like, two seconds and think about it for a total of, like, five seconds and go... Okay, yeah, maybe they, they could have approached this a little different. They could have done it a little bit better. But but what do you uh, what do you guys think about that, though? We're curious. Um, let us know in our socials and whatnot. Uh, but anyway, moving away from all that stuff, <laughs> let's finally get to our first uh, bunch of movies uh, within 2021, um, 23 minutes later. <laughs> But, you know, it was worth talking about all that stuff. <laughs> so, normally, <laughs> normally on this show, we focus on, obviously, double features. You know, it's in the title, it's in the description, two dudes, one double feature, you get the gist of it. And, you know, we pair all types of different movies, but every now and then, you know, so- sometimes movies work just as well in threes. You know, there's all types of great trilogies, both official and unofficial, and... Uh, the movies we're talking about today is one of probably my all-time favorite, if not probably top-tier favorite movie trilogies I've ever seen, and I was so surprised that this man, my co-host, my good buddy, this bearded gentleman in front of me, had not seen any one of them until this moment, and so that, oh, that surprised me to hear that. So that's what we're doing today. We're having this experience together, and I'm happy that we're doing it. And to start off, we're going to talk about the first movie in this trilogy of films, How to Train Your Dragon, the first film. I'm very excited. It's from 2010, by the way. I just got to say, this is like the worst training trilogy of all time, any way you slice it, because I still don't know how to train my dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Neither do I, honestly. (laughs) I was going into this thinking, man, this is a really bold move on DreamWorks' part. It's a training tutorial trilogy aimed at children. And no, listen, <laughs> seriously, seriously, in all seriousness, these are great movies. But let's start off by talking about that first one. What was it 2010 that first one came out? 2010, at the height of the 3D movement, post-Avatar. Yeah, literally, because that same, in 2010, you also had, well, Avatar was still breaking box office records. 
And Alice in Wonderland came out in 3D and also made a billion dollars in 3D. It did. It did. Yeah. That that happened. Anyway. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but no, th- yeah, this was yeah, this was during the height of that like like now like I still think there are some movies released in 3D, but I just don't bother anymore. I feel like at this point for me 3D is, is less of like, ooh, check out 3D and more Okay, we are going to limit the 2D showing, so you're forced to spend extra money at the 3D <laughs> screenings. It's like this is the only option, really. Shoot. Okay. Which has happened to me. Which happened to me many times. Actually, with the Force Awakens, I never saw that movie in 2D in you know regular in like standard you know digital or whatever until the Blu-ray release. Oh wow! Because all the screenings were like sold that you know you remember how hard it was to get like tickets or at least i don't know how hard it was for you but like it was it it took a while for me to get tickets and i saw it four times that weekend and every showing i saw it was like imax 3d or 3d for four for force awakens it was hard yeah would it upset you if i said that i just walked into my theater and got a ticket it would yes okay i won't say it then And you just had to buy a ticket for yourself, right? That, like, I imagine that's... Yeah, Yeah, I walked in, because I was like, I'll just get a ticket. So I walked in, and I was like, can I get a ticket for Force Awakens? They're like, yeah, sure. And there was a seat available, and I was like, cool. And I walked in. (laughs) Anyway, How to Train Your Dragon. So, um, fun fact about this movie. Speaking of uh, movie theaters, uh, I actually had a really interesting experience seeing this movie in theaters um, when it came out. It was, I think it, I think, I don't know if it was the weekend it came out or if it, I think, actually, I think it was the weekend after or around, like, when it initially got released, um, because I think I'd heard some stuff from other people and read some reviews and all of them were really good, and my cousins had come into town uh, to, you know, hang out with us for the weekend, and we all decided to go see a movie, and of course, my cousin at the time, one of my cousins at the time was only eight, so figure the best option is to see like a kid's movie. So I was like, Hey, let's say, let's talk about that. How to train your dragon. I've heard it's pretty good. And so we saw it and we were going to see it in 3d, which we did. And when we got into the theater, it was this small little debate between my family and I, and that my family, my mom and my dad specifically like to sit at the very front uh, for two reasons. One, my mom likes to put her feet up on the railing, and two, she doesn't like walking up the stairs, so she's just like parks right there. I don't like sitting in the front just because it hurts my neck, and <laughs> that's just that's just too much screen, and I'd rather not get look have that distorted picture. <laughs> two of the occasions I saw Force Awakens, I had my neck like like looking up at the uh, at, at the screen, but it, it, it was it was cool, but it hurt my neck. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's 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 not worth it. It's not fun. Um but so I so and this was also before uh there was reserved seating at my theater, so uh we could just sit wherever. So I just walked up the stairs and found like an open available middle seat and I sat there. And uh, I put 3D glasses on. I'm having a great time. The scene when uh Hiccup and Toothless, our main characters, are first flying together. Um, in 3D was probably as magical, if not more magical, than seeing like uh, Jake Sully flying on the Banshees in Avatar, which was like the mm-hmm. standard for like flying scenes in 3D at that time. So it was truly impressive. And then after that scene, uh, when Hiccup and Toothless are like chilling on this rock on this plateau, my mom starts like pacing up the up the stairs, like she's like running upstairs. I'm like, oh, okay, so she can go upstairs. 
<laughs> uh, but no, my my actual thought was really uh, I thought maybe she was gonna like see if I wanted something from the concession stand or something, but it turns out my cousin was puking everywhere, and so she came up. She's like, "Oh gosh, uh, your cousin puked. Yeah. We have to. He, he puked. We have to leave. We have to leave now." I'm like, "What?" She's like, "Yeah, we gotta go." So. And, like, the way she was describing it, like, apparently, like, he had puked all, like, in the front area and then, like, all in the hallway and stuff. So, like, I don't know if he was just, if he had, like, a stomach bug at the time or if he just wasn't feeling good or if maybe the 3D itself just being that way, like, where they were seating-wise, which I had slightly mentioned maybe that was going to happen. I don't know if that's what affected him, but either way, he threw up and they gave us, like, six free movie passes to come back and see more movies. And I took all of them. And I used all of them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> so um unfortunately i never got to watch the entirety of how to train your dragon in theater so i got to finish it when it finally came out on blu-ray and i i saw the whole first the whole second one in theaters and i s- sadly missed the third one in theaters but uh either way that first one will always have a very will always be a memorable like film going experience Oh, absolutely, for sure. I, I've I've had to leave like screenings because somebody in like the party was like tired, or or like they were like cranky or, or whatever. But I've never had anything quite like that. Well, good, because <laughs> yeah. like, then you missed the whole wood. movie. <laughs> like I, 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 my cousin was okay. I care about that. Just, just so you know, that's good. <laughs> but, yeah, but I was I, in my deepest, darkest, like feelings of myself and selfishness. I was like, I missed the whole movie. It would have been great to see it in three D. Um, but you know, it is what it is. I'm glad I saw the movie either way. So my, as far as my, I remember when this came out in theaters. Obviously, I didn't see any of these in theaters. I do remember people talking about this movie. Because, again, Avatar was, like, the big standard for 3D movies, and people are saying, oh, this is, like, that, but, like, with an even better story and all that. And I just it was like, okay. Because my thing was also, too, 2010 was the year of Toy Story 3. Yeah, that was that was the big one that year. Like, like for, like, millennial, like, millennial nostalgia, just, like, you know, like, <laughs> you, you know you probably cried at the part where they're all, like, ready to get incinerated, and they're holding hands, and you're just like, oh, oh no, they're, they're accepting their fate, yeah. and then, you know, when Andy talks about all of them, you know, and all, you think about all the things they've been through, all the things you've been through in, like, the intervening time between the second Toy Story and the first one, and then and the third one, you know, so obviously that that plays a role into like me saying yeah I'll, I'll you know I'm sure it's a good movie but I'm like I and I was gonna s- try to see it at some point but it didn't happen it t- it it took ten years <laughs> and the second and third one <laughs> yeah it took te- it took a decade but I finally saw them but you know and, and I missed the other two in theaters but that was that's my my big takeaway from these is man I wish I saw them on the big screen because if there was an animated movie to really see on the big screen it'd be the How to Train Your Dragon films, because not just because of the flying scenes, but I think just, just visually speaking, like we were talking about this, you were mentioning this to me, that Roger Deakins was like a visual consultant um, mm-hmm. on these movies. And Roger Deakins, you know, really, you know, famous cinematographer, you know, 1917, Blade Runner 2049, and um, you know, and you could clearly tell that, you know, while he isn't like the cinematographer of the movie, that there there are some influences, um, you know, taken from from his his work. But like visually, it's just it's just really just beautiful. Even for like a ten year old movie, it still looks 
really good. It holds it, up. It holds decently up. well. Like you, yeah. Like man, there, there, there's a lot to talk about with, with this one. There's and a lot. I to also want to just bring up. I want to bring up because I was talking about Toy Story. I want to bring up DreamWorks because obviously people talk about like DreamWorks versus Pixar as mm-hmm. um, yeah. as a, as a topic, and I think for a lot of people, especially like when you talk about Shrek. Which just got into the National Film Registry. Congratulations, Shrek. Good job, Shrek. Um, well deserved. But Shrek is very much a film of that time period. There's a lot of pop culture references, you know, that if you show it to a kid today, they'll just be confused. Or, <laughs> like, the way like the way Shrek is. It's not, like, I don't even know if I would show Shrek to my really young kids, honestly. Like, right. it's, it's one of those, like, weird things where I loved it as a kid, but I'm also like... I don't know if I'd show it to them, and it's also probably aged not that well if you didn't grow up with them, you know. Uh, like I love Shrek Two still; it's one of my one of my favorites. But like these movies, I think it's got like a timeless like sort of quality um, about them, like because there's no real major like pop culture references. Like these are like in their own little like Viking, like Scottish Viking <laughs> mode, basically. Yeah, you heard that right, Scottish Vikings. Once Scottish, you get, it, it's weird, but just, once you get past that, I, I like to think that like Vikings came from Norway, then went to Burke, and then established Burke as like the first Viking village in Scotland, and then that this raised everybody up, and it just was like a like a Scottish like like Swedish like combo deal going on there so yeah. i have a, i have my head cannon for that but yeah it is a bit uh interesting that they decided to be scottish vikings but you know and it all it also helps too that this is like a coming of age story but this this young boy hiccup you know he like his dad is gerard butler and is a viking best and best badass best gerard butler ever i'm just saying i'm putting that it's in it's it's there. You've heard me say it. Best Gerard Butler is in the How to Train Your Dragon movies. Period. I mean, I personally would agree with you for sure. But I would like to call these movies uh, Burke ha- Burke has fallen. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be my favorite has fallen uh, film. Honestly, <laughs> it would be the best one. But you know, like the the hiccup is young boy. You know, he's definitely not like his dad. Like he he's clearly like the opposite of his dad. His dad like you know is fighting fights dragons. You know is a warrior. Let's say he's kind of the the outcast of his village really because his whole village is full of like burly like tough you know hardcore Viking characters and with Scottish accents. That was terrible. I'm sorry for doing that. Um, <laughs> um, and so he he wants to be like them. He wants to be like the Vikings. In his village, but he just isn't. He's it's not that from a physical appearance, yeah, you know, he's very scrawny, he's small, he's got kind of that Jay Baruchel voice because he's voiced by Jay Baruchel. Um <laughs> and so like he he wants to be like them, but he's just not. And in a lot of ways he's kind of looked at as like um a somewhat of a pariah in his village. Like you're just like, why do we have this? Like not even why do we have him? Why do we have this? Which is like kind of a running joke in the in the in the movie where they're like, "You need to stop all of this." So you just gesture to all and of just me. Point his whole body. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, toothless. Or no, not toothless. I'm sorry, hiccup. So, <laughs> I just I didn't even remember his name. 
But uh, eventually he does get the opportunity to take down a dragon. And not, it's not just any dragon, though. It's not any of the other, like, typical dragons you see throughout these movies. No. This is the most mysterious, deadly, just monstrous of all the dragons. This is the Night Fury. Joey, stop it! I've told you! You scare me like that! Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. But, um... So he takes down a Night Fury... And uh, he goes to the site where the Night Fury crashes, only to see it's still alive. And he want he tries he wants to kill it because he wants to be like his his Viking brethren, and he wants to make his father proud, even though his father has continuously been like, "Son, stop doing this, stop being yourself." <laughs> and he finds he can't do it. He can't commit to this and he instead uh frees the night fury from his trap and the two bond a little bit yeah yeah they do but they, they bond you know and it's sort, sort of like the secret that he keeps for a while and uh you know like and what's also with, with this with this too is just like the visual comedy and the visual like toothless is a very expressive character he is know? No dialogue, and you were pointing this out to be very much like you know, like Totoro, and some of his gestures and like the way the way his eyes are very you know, just like what he widens them is like ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, like like I and the thing is I never would have caught that because I guess that was like an influence for for Toothless. I never would have caught that had I not watched this movie, uh, Totoro for the podcast. So um, seeing that now, seeing the parallels, especially anytime Toothless sits up and his ears perk up. And his yeah. eyes widen, like he looks just like Totoro, and like there's even times when he smiles, and it's just really creepy, like Totoro, because he has no teeth. He's just like, <laughs> can I can I also just say to my experience, because like I know I have always known the dragon was named Toothless, but I was so shocked when like he has like retractable teeth. I was like, <laughs> what is this? I remember you being like, like wait, hold up, but like we never, because I we never, I don't know if we ever really talked about why his name was Toothless. And then, because you saw he had teeth prior to that moment. And, like, he was like, and then, but then they were just gone. And, you're, and then it's just like, okay. And then it's just, whoosh. And you're like, what? Excuse me? It's like, it's one of the cool little things that I like about these movies is that, you know, I like that they put, like, details into the dragons themselves. So, like, each of the dragons, like, are unique from the other. The only thing is that they all have underbites, save for Toothless. <laughs> but other than that, they're all very unique dragons. Mm-hmm. So, sure. so and like, it's like this whole dragon ecosystem. And like, that's like the, you know, if they didn't have that too, I don't think the movie really would work. So it's like a celebration of like, dragons in general. Um, mm. But it, like, I just, this movie, first and foremost, I just have to say this. And you've seen, you saw this happen a lot as we were watching these movies, this movie breaks me down. <laughs> this movie emotionally wrecks me. I, I feel like that all three of them do that to you. And I'm like, I, I got to see it with, with all three. And I'm like, oh my goodness, here come the waterworks. I'm sorry. It's just this movie is it's beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. 
no, it, it, it is a really, it is a really beautiful um, movie visually, but also in terms of uh, the, the story where, where, you know, I was also thinking about this too. I was thinking about like a goofy movie and like father son relationships and, you know, where, where sometimes it's like the onus, the onus of change needs to be placed on the, on the kid, which I, which is, which I love goofy movie, but it's kind of weird when you think about it like that, where it's just like, oh, this guy's trying to do all this, these great things for you. It's like, but maybe think about the fact that this guy's a kid, your son, your child is a kid and <laughs> you might need to step in and be like, hmm, you know what? <laughs> maybe I, I, I need to, you know, I need to help out. <laughs> I said, I'll admit in the Goofy movie, when they start singing, nobody else but you, that makes me cry a little. (laughs) Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, I was going to say, I will say to your point of the the father something, like being, um, putting a lot of like the change on, on Hiccup. I think, I think, you know, obviously with Hiccup, he does find his own thing though. So like like while he doesn't conform to the village, he very much finds his own thing and changes the village. And you know, especially this one fun because that's the one thing about these movies. The one fundamental thing about these movies is that this village at the very beginning hates dragons. They want to demolish and yeah. destroy dragons. Like like his like stoic um, Hiccup's dad Gerard Butler like is determined to find the the nest is to find like the the homes of these dragons and destroy them that way. Because it's just this generations long war between you know everyone on Burke and dragons, and then here comes this this uh, lowly skinny kid who sticks out a little bit amongst everybody else, and like you were saying, he's being forced to 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 either um, conform to everybody else or just get out of the way, and he wants he wants to to adapt, he wants to conform, he wants to be part. But he instead finds his own path, and it makes the village better. Yeah, and and what like one of the best parts in the whole movie is when is when Stoic, um, like looks at Hiccup after like in the in the middle of this big battle at the end of the first movie, and says, "I'm so proud of you, and I'm so sorry." Like like it's a really like like there's a lot of like emotional maturity and tenderness in these movies, and it gets me every single time. Just talking about it, I'm kind of like. <sighs> <laughs> no, and that really i think that was the element that surprised me because i figured the characters would have been neat you know like some of the side characters are, are are fun and you know the dragon antics are great and the visuals are great and all that but like some of like the the character stuff is i think is really strong with with, with the writing and stuff and that comes out a lot with like the voice acting uh you know of course we said gerard butler uh jay baruchel Jay Baruchel, who I just listen, like I know you, you know this, but like whenever I hear his voice, I think of the scene in Tropic Thunder where he's he's just <laughs> randomly talking about like the, the 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 video format war between HD DVD and Blu-ray. So I'm just waiting for him to to like explain that to Toothless, and Toothless just stares at him blankly or something or something like that. Like, 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 he doesn't care. He's a dragon. He can fly. Okay, he doesn't need HD DVD or Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> Toothless, I got TiVo. <laughs> I got you, TiVo hiccup. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! But no, get there's it's a pretty it's a it's a very fun um 
voice cast in this movie because you got those two and then you also and again it kind of goes with that typical like modern version of like casting animated big budget movies so you have like a ton of big name actors like jonah hill uh christopher mince plaz uh kristen wig uh for 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 this movie and and one of the other ones tj miller <laughs> uh <laughs> who was like t- 2010 was the height of tj miller so that that doesn't surprise me at all um and uh you also have craig ferguson and uh periodically david tennant shows up in these movies to <laughs> to kind of continue like all the adults have scottish accents and then the kids just happen to have regular accents yeah (laughs) (laughs) so at least there's consistency and i appreciate that um but no it's like they're all really good oh and america ferrera i'm so sorry she plays astrid who is also a great character i think she's really she really was a character that was a standout to me as far as the movie because she's clearly like the romance you know she's going to be the romantic interest and, and all that, but I, I feel like it plays off a lot more naturally in these movies, especially when you get the progression in these movies. And I like that her dragon is not just like a female version of Toothless. It's like, and it's clearly not like a like a, a stereotypically feminine looking dragon. It actually kind of has like a really yes. big, like oddly shaped head. You know, as like looked like chicken legs or what. It, it's it's a really cool design, and I, I like that. You know, it's um, it's just it's not like you know toothless but with eyelashes or some nonsense like that yeah yeah no that i'm so i like i didn't even think of that too but when you when you when you mentioned that we were watching it i was pretty i was like you know that's a good point because they would have done that in like the like 90s or like 2000s yeah like they definitely and then they would have like i think they would have just wrapped up the movies by having hiccup and astrid and toothless and, and and her dragon uh just like be a thing and it would just be like okay and we're done and it's just like i'm glad that they didn't do that (laughs) yeah oh yeah oh can we talk about the fact that that uh hiccup loses a limb i thought i knew that was coming and like there's a lot of because obviously you know you know this pleasure is that pleasure of showing someone a great movie like that you you feel like you know they're gonna love and you want to hold back on some like key moments that you just like so for one thing i didn't want to tell like i've told you a little bit about like the emotional aspect of the movie but i i didn't tell you like how intense it gets sometimes and i intentionally held back that uh hiccup loses his foot because that is a pretty like like when you see that for the first time you're like they did they like they, they didn't kill him but they they maimed him yeah and usually and and obviously the cliche thing would have been to save that for like the second movie you know, especially because where the second movie goes, you're like, oh man, you figured that would happen then. But it was also one of those things too, where again, because I'm not as familiar with these movies as you are, I just figured he would have had that from the start. Like I figured he he was just born without that foot. But it was actually, it was interesting seeing like, seeing him like in the movie, I'm like, wait a minute. So he loses it. Oh, okay. Oh. And so, like, it's just, and plus, because both Toothless lost his fin and Hiccup lost his foot, it adds that kind of added level, extra level of bondedness between those two characters because they're both basically handicapped. Yeah. So they, they, they need each other in a lot of ways. No, yeah, absolutely, for sure, you know. Um, but with this, this movie is really, is really incredible. Um, really, like, honestly, like, the, the cool thing with this movie is, like, 
Like, with any, any mo- most movies, you don't need the sequels. This movie, you don't need, I feel like you don't need the sequels. You don't. But it could be, but it's also, it's one of those things where it's a very good standalone movie, I feel like. And it's a, it's a great, like, strength to have. And it was one of those questions, I'm going to sort of lead into our intermission here, but questions I had where it's like, okay, you have a movie this strong to start off with, and it feels like it has, it feels like a complete story. Yes. Now you're going to get into the next film, and you're going to tell me we're going to do it another one, but make it better? And I can't wait to talk about that in uh, the second half of this episode. And do you want to do you want to just get to that moment uh, now, or <laughs> like do you want to just? Well, let's take a let's take a break. Let's take right. a quick quick intermission. When we come back, we're going to talk about the the uh, the sequels. Let's do it. Boom. Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. In today's episode, we are talking about, of course, the How to Train Your Dragon movies. Yeah, all three movies, folks. We're not just talking about one. We're talking about all three on a double feature show. It's weird, but we're having fun doing it. Now, for the second half, we're going to focus on the sequels, the rest of the trilogy. We kind of I mean, we kind of touched on them a little bit, but for this half, we're just going to go all in on these uh, next two movies. Now, the whole beginnings of how this even became like a franchise obviously the first film was a success you know with a 3d ticket sales but also just great reviews and a lot of people really digging it and um normally in any other instance especially with dreamworks you would just make this like a continuing franchise like four or five movies like shrek has a bunch of movies madagascar has movies and spin-offs um boss baby's getting a sequel i know you're excited about that one joey (laughs) (laughs) joey wake up joey (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh but um the uh the one of the co one of the directors of the how to train dragon movies 
I think Dean uh, Dubois, I think is how you pronounce it, or Dean uh, Dubois. Um, sorry if I'm mispronouncing it, but um, he was asked to come back and be the sole director of the next two movies, and he said, only if I can make it a trilogy. Like, just full-on one, two, three movies, not like four, five, six, seven, eight type movies. Unless, you know, down the road they decide to make, like, more of them. But for now, he just wanted to make the the movies a trilogy. And so they said, okay, and we got uh, the second film, which is simply titled How to Train Your Dragon 2. And, folks, it's somehow even better. I don't know how they do it, but they made it better than the first one. Like, it's... It's more thrilling. It's more emotionally impactful. It's it's even better looking. Like I think they they go full Roger Deakins really with that second one. Yeah, I mean they also. I mean, oh, the first one had a wow. That's actually the first one had a a larger a larger budget, I guess, than the second one. But definitely, like the advances in technology are evident. Like when you watch the Toy Story movies, it's clear that they were not made at the same time. Like. One looks different from two, two looks different from three, three looks different from four, and four is like a huge leap when you compare it to the first one. These, it's like it definitely there is a progression as far as like the animation um, is concerned and the, the, the power that they had at their disposal. Um, but, and they're able to take full advantage of that because, man, there are some beautiful like sweeping shots in this movie. Really, like, it truly does feel like, a, like an animated epic for kids. You know, with, especially with this one, because, like, I know we're going to talk about this later, but, like, the second act ends on, like, a giant, clim- like, seemingly climactic fight. Like, in any other, like, movie, that would yes. be, like, the end battle. Like, that was, like, if the movie ended with that and was able to emotionally, like, satisfy everything up to that point, it would have been a satisfying movie overall, and that would have been, like, holy cow stuff. And then they do even more at the end of the movie, and you're like, what? <laughs> it's just like when you see last jedi and you're like it's gotta be the ray uh the ray kylo versus guards bit that's the end of the, like right that's gotta be the end of the movie it's like nah no 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 we got more no 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 we got some more we haven't gotten to that exclamation mark at the end we're still in the sentence bruh <laughs> and that's exactly what they did with this movie no that let's just talk about that scene specifically because that moment in this movie was so like emo like it was one of those moments that just hits you right in the gut especially what it because of what it followed up because what you have to know about about specifically hiccup and stoic you know father and son there's no mom mom wasn't there at the beginning of the movie and we we're we're kind of led to believe in the first movie that she's dead or she's missing but we don't really know where mom is so it's literally just hiccup and stoic that's it and so for the second movie we are shown it is revealed and sadly they they did this in the trailers which they shouldn't have because this would have been a really cool reveal it is revealed that hiccup's mother is actually alive and not only is she alive but similar to hiccup is that she has grown uh, a kinship with dragons to the point where like she's even better than hiccup at like um knowing like their ticks and tricks and like having a, a bond with them like even stronger than hiccups and so like that's he kind of learns like okay this is where i got the the dragon side of my like the dragon love side of my family and in one of the most like emotionally wrecking scenes 
um, when uh, hit when Stoic comes to save Hiccup from you know trying to interact with like the big villain of this movie, he sees his wife again for the first time in ever since Hiccup was born because Hiccup had never met his mother, and he's walking up to her and she's like saying, you know, I'm sorry I left. I'm sorry this happened. And all he says is you're, you're just as beautiful. You're more beautiful than the day I lost you. And he gives her a hug and kiss. And it just, it, it, it gets you so much. And then like, not even that. And that's like, like we were saying, that's not even the end of it. Cause they have that really tender moment where he sings a a, a song to her. Oh my God. Oh, he the freaking song. He's like Stoic sings this. This is the only time Gerard Butler affected me emotionally with his singing. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true because he emotionally affected you in Fanta, but he just got you angry. So he emotionally affected you in a different way. Okay, okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> so, he, like, he starts singing to. Um, Kate Blanchett, who plays uh, Hiccup's mother, who uh, uh, Volke is her name, and so he's so Stoic starts singing to Volke, and it's this really personal, like loving song, like about a really tender, like happy moment that the two shared, and even Gobber, uh, Craig Ferguson's character, starts singing the song with them, and and it's just it's oh my god, it's such a like warm like amazing tender moment like the first kind of like real family moment that hiccup has had with both his father and now his mom that he's just seen after so long and then guess what they do right after they kill stoic (laughs) but not even just kill him not even just kill him joey you could finish it so this is one of the most like shocking things i've seen in any movie since like ever but like basically like this movie plays into like 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 animal like alpha things like like the alpha being the one that dominates and controls or whatever and you know uh hick uh was it not hiccup sorry um toothless is like temporarily like controlled by the alpha and like effectively the villain and is ready to kill um hiccup and then stoic jumps in front of hiccup so toothless kills gerard butler (laughs) Toothless kills Gerard Butler. Your cute, lovable animal kills Gerard Butler. It's not his fault. Think about this. Think about this. He he couldn't help it, but he did it. He killed him. Oh, my God. Like, could you imagine? Could you imagine if Groot... Could you imagine if, like, you're watching the Guardians of the Galaxy movies or, or any... Or, like, imagine if Baby Groot killed, like, Star Lord or something. Or like, because I can't, I cannot think of a moment where like the adorable character, like the lovable, like animal sidekick character in any movie, has been the cause of the death of one of the major characters in like their partner's life. Like, can you yeah. think? Do you know of any examples? And I can't think of any. Even even if there are, that's still pretty shocking for for um, a family film to do something. Uh, to to have it's one thing for like the villain. To kill to kill your um your hero's like parent or, or father figure or whatever. What's another thing entirely to have the hero's cute adorable sidekick kill them? Just imagine that pitch meeting, like like the director is just like, Okay, I have an idea. Just go with me on this. Toothless kills stoic. They're like, get out. Get you're not directing this get out right now. We're not we can't sell something like that. Get out! 
no, it's it, that's just like like an example of just the emotional like levity and the emotional like again maturity that these movies have and it just gets more impactful as these movies go on like you really connect with everybody in these movies especially those core characters so when you see a moment like that especially like you were saying at the at the end of the second act it's so shocking and so but it's so like emotionally like it does it's not shocking for the sake of it like it it affects you because not only is something shocking happening but it's something that affects you because you like these characters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i want to mention too we didn't talk about too much about the side characters in in the first half but i feel like the side characters are utilized very well um very well in two and three i think because a lot of the focus it, it, it deservedly so is always going to be on hiccup and toothless but in these other movies i, I feel like you get you get like them really well utilized Honestly, I, I feel like there, there's some really just funny moments. Like, um, was it was it was it Roughnut? Is the is, is Roughnut the Kristen Wig or Roughnut is Kristen Wig and Toughnut is T.J. Miller slash the voice actor that replaces him in the third movie. Um, I, I some some of her stuff like with, like with the different guys is pretty funny. Jonah Hill uh, <laughs> is is really funny, but also but not in a way where I'm just like man. Man, I really just don't like these people. I'm like, it was actually they were actually really well utilized in in two and three to like where I'm like, yeah, I actually care about these people. Like, and plus they add a moment of of comedy and like a like a nice comedic moment in other and like in an otherwise like emotionally like hurtful movie. <laughs> I also want to I also want to say too, uh, we get some new characters in this film outside of yes. um, Valka. We also um, what's his name, Eret. Eret, son of Eret, played by <laughs> yes. Kit Harrington. <laughs> and listen, I love Kit Harrington, and you know, I'm, I I always love Jon Snow on Game of Thrones, and so to have him obviously part of a, an entire like series of kids movies that are like epic fantasies about dragons just seems fitting. the The big difference being, and and I love that you point this out, and also that you made it your letterbox review, is that Kit Harrington who's normally a very like like very um uh what's the word stoic um, stoic and also very uh, uh not pout but like what's that word it's something batman does all the time shoot but bas- basically kid having <laughs> kid harrington's having fun in this movie clearly yes <laughs> yes <laughs> well, well i'll think of that later um yeah, Kit Harrington is basically having a ball in this movie as Eret, son of Eret. And one of the best, one of the funniest things is that he basically becomes uh, an object of desire for Roughnut. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, like when she first sees him, it, it's like slow, but she goes, Whoa. And, and like, it like you, you just like zoom in on his like, his like bulging biceps with like sweat coming off. She's like, and like he shoots a net at her and she goes, Take me. <laughs> Oh man! And then, as far as as far as new characters, we also get uh, Drago Bloodvist, played by Jiman Hanzu. Drago Bloodvist. Where, okay, like there's a potentially like interesting thing with this character, um, like because he's also he's also lost a limb because of you know with because of his involvement with dragons and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that could have been interesting, but I feel like that is he is the weakest element. 
of the movie. I don't think I agree. he's... I agree. But I think a lot of that is also because there's so much being focused on the really important stuff in the movie where, like... Um, Hiccup's relationship with his, with his uh, with his family and their emotional ramifications, what happens with Toothless and all this other stuff that he just kind of like he is a facilitator for. Okay, we need to have bad stuff happen. Let the bad stuff happen. Okay, he's vaguely connected to the hero um, in some way, basically. Yeah, he's 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 good enough in that he services the story and he does a good enough job in his performance that. You know, it makes it it makes it good, but at the same time, like as far as um, his involvement and also just like how he is, as far as um, just a villain in general, like he's mostly just there to like look menacing and scream a lot, which again is effective. But you know, I was gonna say he also he looks like a Spear from uh, Primal, so that's already a bonus. Yeah, <laughs> it helps. <laughs> it helps. That or that or like evil Maui from Moana. What can I say except no? Ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> Dude, what, what, what do you say that? It made me think of. For some reason, it made me think of Khan. Khan. And honestly, I could guarantee you that like we we've already talked about at great length how much of a wimp I was as a kid and still am. Uh, that that his his scream would have freaked me out as a child. I was like, oh, oh man. my god, yeah, like, <laughs> like it is because it is intense a little bit too. And he does a, ah, and he screams and he spins like the spear to like get the attention. I will say that's that's he makes a good juxtaposition in some ways to Hiccup in that um, Hiccup is 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 bonding with with Toothless and all these other dragons, whereas uh, Drago Bloodvist. Uh, trains his dragons and uses his dragons through fear. So, like, when he first... Uh, when we first meet him, like, he... Uh, instead of, like, you know, putting his hand out, which is the iconic moment in these movies when, you know, when you see Hiccup put his hand out and then Toothless comes the rest of the way and, like, nestles his nose into Hiccup's palm and it's a really a tender moment. Um, whereas uh, Drago Bloodvist, instead, he actually... Uh, screams at the dragon to make him afraid of him, and then puts his foot on the dragon's nose. And so there's that. There's again. There's that nice. I feel like they could have gone a little bit further with it, though. Admittedly, like to have that more of a juxtaposition. But I like. I like that there was like some connected tissues. Yeah. Again, I think the stuff that was that needed to be like emphasized was the right call. Honestly, with with what they did. Also, as far as the design goes, I I would. I almost want to say that Kate Blanchett's dragon, I think it, it's it's Cloud Jumper, might be the coolest looking dragon. Like, <laughs> uh, he's so cool. Like, he's got four wings. First of all, which looks is like awesome. an owl. Too like, like yes! some of the motions and like the way that the head is and the horns are is like very much like an owl. And I'm like, yeah, that would definitely be a dragon Kate Blanchett would ride. And also, fun fact, um, the uh, the Cloud Jumper. Because Hiccup in the movies has like a scar on his chin, and they actually made it like a story element. And that the reason he has a scar on his chin is because Cloud Jumper, like when he saw Hiccup as a baby, scratched his chin. Oh yeah, that's right. Which like it wasn't like it wasn't out of fear though, obviously, or it wasn't out of like you know trying to eat the eat the baby, eat Hiccup as a baby. But it was like you know he was like looking at him, he was like oh hello, like he was putting his finger out like you would for a baby, baby going ha ha ha. 
you know. Right. And then of course, um, Folke comes in. It's just like you know, ah, oh, she comes in and it scares the dragon and it accidentally cuts Hiccup in the face, and so it just like adds that element of that perception that dragons are bad. But to to go back to Hiccup though for a second to like. The other big subplot of this movie is, like, his dad wants to prepare him to become the next chief. You know, because this... What I like about these movies, too, is that it's not like that he's, like, the same age throughout these movies. He he actually ages, and he becomes, you know, eventually goes into, like, adulthood, basically. And at this point in his life, you know, obviously he's gained more respect and all that. But now his dad wants to prepare him to be the leader of these people in Burke, you know, and, and Hiccup having to having to sort of deal with that mantle is, is, is very well, well done in both this and, um, uh, the third film. Yeah. Oh no, I, I completely agree. It's, uh, it's, it definitely adds like a new element. So it's not like, like they could have easily just rehashed the first movie going into the second one. You know what I mean? They could have just like, it's almost funny too. Like the fact that the, that one big battle scene where stoic dies, like that could have been the end, but then I feel like I also would have went like, you know, that's just like the first movie, because yeah. the la- that movie ends in a big battle. But no, like they 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 take some beats here and there, like in to, to kind of keep continuity. But I like that um, it really feels like it's it's an actual growth of story and character for everybody. And so we see them move on. Like, when we first see Hiccup, he's totally different than the last time we saw him. Like, he's got armor. He's modified his peg leg. Like, he's an inventor. Like, that's the kind of character that Hiccup is when we first meet him, is that he he builds stuff. And so he he applies that to himself from what he's learned uh, being with Toothless. And so, again, it's just, it's, it's bettering himself through his relationship, which is another great thing. It's like, you just become better people with the right people. For sure. Absolutely. Um, so this one came out in, was it 2014, if I'm not mistaken? Yes. 2014. 2014. Um, and th- that was a huge summer, 2014. Like a huge year. Because you had you had Captain America to Winter Soldier, Godzilla, Guardians of the Galaxy. Paddington. Paddington uh, Days of Future Past. That was a huge, um, that was a huge summer. But How to Train Your Dragon... You know, this one was also a big hit. I think it's the, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's the highest grossing one of the three. And then we had the third film come out last year. The Hidden World. Right? There's like, I almost kind of like that there's like a progression too. Like we were talking about like the animation and stuff. Like the first movie definitely feels like it was animated 2010. Then obviously four years later, the animation technology has advanced and then jump all the way to 2019 when they finally got to finish the trilogy. And this was also, mind you, it's not like they didn't have content to release for How to Train Your Dragon. They had some TV shows and some shorts that they had made in between then to like, bridge the gap between things i think there was even a comic book at one point from dark horse like a how to train your dragon comic book so there was still stuff but there wasn't a third movie and it wasn't until last year that we finally got that third movie and it's a it like you always worry about third movies and trilogies like there's so many trilogies i can think of where the third movie is often the weakest one and i yeah like like, but but this one pretty much justifies its ex- not only justifies its existence, it really also just gives a, a completely satisfiting conclusion uh, to Hiccup and Toothless's uh, stories. 
I oh I completely again I had to repeat myself, but I completely one hundred and ten percent agree because I mean, uh, at at this point in the story, because uh, we were left off in the last film, both Hiccup and Toothless essentially both have come the leaders of their communities, so like Toothless became the alpha amongst the dragons, and Hiccup became the chief. So now, it's it's kind of that idea of like you know this is something that a lot of friends and and families and a lot of people have to deal with because here's the thing we all are individuals and so at some point while you don't ever want to officially say goodbye at there's a point where you just kind of part ways and it's 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 just it's 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 a hard but natural point of life you try to keep like i like there's still tons of people i i still try to keep strong relationships with like friends and and family and whatnot, but there is a point where you know you, you like everybody has to move on, and that's very much like the emotional core of the third How to Train Your Dragon because now Hiccup, you know, he's the he's the chief, he's in love, marriage is on the table, like that's kind of a running joke a little bit um, in the movie, like you know, like tie the knot. Um, whereas Toothless, you know, he's also the leader of his, but he doesn't have a love interest. And so this movie introduces just that. And we get, while I don't think she ever gets a name officially, she is called a Light Fury. Yeah. Yeah. And it it was exact, that, that one, that dragon was like what I, I think that was one of my big fears when this movie came out was that, okay, we ha- we we ha- we are now at the point in the franchise where we got to have the female version of our main dragon and she's clearly it's clearly like what I was saying to you before about Astrid's dragon where I'm like what I liked about that and then this one is like I mean again this dragon works for the purpose of the story but I'm just talking about when I was like seeing the advertising for this right, like, yeah. oh they they've clearly run out of ideas at this point <laughs> <laughs> little did you know <laughs> Little did you know, sir. This was this was really great. Uh, this third one. I mean, visual. I mean, again, it's another case of like the animation is is, is stepped up because the technology the technology at this point is better. And there's moments where it just looks like there's like animated characters in a real environment. Like I look at like the sand, yeah. in this movie, like and when they're on like some of the scenes on like the beach or whatever, and it looks like real sand or like the water. I always talk about this a lot. Water in special effects movies is very difficult to do. And lately with the digital technology, I feel like they finally gotten to a point where water looks fairly convincing, you know, as a digital effect on screen. Every, because again, this movie came out last year. So obviously animation technology has advanced a lot at this point. And this is definitely like, I would say the best looking of all three movies. And the animation is, is absolutely to quote Keanu Reeves, as I like to do, breathtaking mm-hmm. yeah and so and also just having that added element of roger deakins again being involved and in, in consulting as far as uh you know the cinematography aspect of things and so it just it really get again that his involvement in these movies really kind of elevates again because he's not the actual cinematographer cinematographer but he very much um has an influence on these movies and his I really elevates um, the the quality a little bit because it adds it adds more of like an epic feel, just like the imagery even. Right, 
And so you just have all these elements coming into play, and it just works out incredibly well. Uh, but going back to the the Light Fury, so like yeah, obviously like we we're talking about the fact that she's like kind of the girl toothless, but she also like they establish her well enough that she doesn't just act like toothless. Yes, like she's yes. not just female toothless. She is actually her own character, and and she has some of the funniest bits too because it's like um, they like one of the funniest things in, in life in general is uh, the idea of the jealous uh, the jealous best friend or the jealous love interest. So like you know it's like any instance where like your buddy gets a girlfriend and you're still single and you know <laughs> like you're kind of just like what the hell <laughs> what the hell or sometimes the other way around she's like you guys are so close how am i ever gonna get that <laughs> and so, that's kind of what um that's kind of what the light fury is in this movie like there's literally a point when uh they're all when um everyone in burke is moving to a new location and hiccup is flying on toothless as he does and toothless sees the light fury and flies to her because he wants to hear because obviously he's smitten and uh she like snatches hiccup off of toothless <laughs> and then he's like oh like he's like oh she finally likes me and she just throws him and then toothless has to be and then she, toothless looks at her she's like oh i have to go save him i'll be right back and he just like swoops down oh. and grabs him but i gotta say like some of the most beautiful shots of this movie are when toothless is flying by himself like just just seeing like the vast like open spaces and just the the beauty of the animation, him you know doing his thing uh, as the Night Fury and and all that. It, it, it's just it's just really, uh, re- really quite dazzling. And then you get like the hidden world, of course, which has like a lot of color and and you know breathtaking beauty to it. Um, what I one thing I I, I want to mention is I I talked about the villain in the last one where he I feel like he he was like something left to be desired something he had something left to be desired or whatever. This villain, I, I think, real is really good. Um, what's his face? Uh, Grimmel the Grizzly, played by F. Murray Abraham. Uh, I think he's a really good villain. It's like right when I said that F. Murray Abraham was in this movie, you were like, "Oh, <laughs> I love him. He's great." I figured you would have gotten excited by that. I was like, "I think, I think he'll dig this," because like, <laughs> I that was my first impression. Because um, when I first saw the movie and I saw that character. My first thought was that he kind of reminds me of Death from uh, Seventh Seal, and yeah. and and he has much more of like a playful, charming nature to him. So he has like the kind of classic sly nature of being like some of the best villains have have this kind of aspect to them. And his whole shtick, uh, Grimmel, is that he is the reason why Toothless is the last of his kind. Which, in case we haven't mentioned this, Toothless is, in fact, yeah, he is the only Night Fury in existence. And that's because Grimmel, as we learned in the third film, has murdered all of them. And yeah. so when he finally finds out that Toothless has a Night Fury that somehow survived, that's when he's like, okay, I got to take care of this. And so then he pulls his tricks and his like weird like acid spitting dragons that he has to try and um, you know finish his work essentially, mm-hmm. and he does it with such charm and and panache and you're like, I hate you, but you're very entertaining. <laughs> 
I, I, I thought he, he, you said death from the seventh seal. I thought, uh, Reese Fon's, uh, character in the Adam Sandler film, <laughs> little Nikki. <laughs> and, and before we recorded, I looked it up to like, look at him again. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I see it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, F. Murray Abraham's, uh, F. Murray Abraham makes it, makes a great villain in, in, in this, um, in this movie. Of course, um, you had a lot of your, a lot, I should say, a lot of your returning cast members in this movie. Uh, 95%. 99 95%, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, of course, one of them did not return uh, based on uh, current events that had happened at the time. And so, um, and I had mentioned this to you, and I, you, I mean, I figured you would have already known that maybe they would have just not had him return yeah and so but I, I i don't know if i had mentioned prior to watching it how prominent his character becomes in the third movie so that it just really See, lays it in thick like just how different it feels because it's not the same voice it's very distracting honestly like when i when i watch those scenes because it, it it feels like it, it almost feels like a, in a weird way like a situation of okay we wrote the character this way Oops, TJ Miller did a thing, so now we just gotta re-record. We just gotta record it with somebody else. But it just feels like that they were they were like, I I, I don't know. It just, it's just so strange to like to have that character, to have tough tough nut be that prominent, and then it's just like, well, it's not TJ Miller, which I get, but it's just so strange, you know. It it is really like it throws you off at first because like I I before I watched the movie because I I picked it up on Blu-ray so I could finally watch it because I was stupid and missed it in theaters. And I kept thinking, like, are they going to keep T.J. Miller? Like, cause I didn't remember. I hadn't remembered if they had mentioned if he was not going to be in the movie anymore because of uh, his alleged actions. Mm-hmm. And so, but it made sense, especially because it's a kids' movie, and you don't want to have that kind of association, especially in a kids' movie. Especially, yeah. And so, it's just it was it was interesting when you first hear that character talk. And you're like, okay, this is clearly not... The guy's trying, but it's clearly not T.J. Miller. But then he becomes, like, sort of a... Like, a a joking version of, like, Hiccup's, like, advisor in regards to, uh, like, his wedding stuff. Yeah. And they give him a running joke in the movie, too. Like, not to say the material doesn't work. It's just the weird aspect of not having the same actor. Yeah, it, that was that. I think for me, that was a case of, of of like where I think I preferred the second one because I feel like the comedy, the comedy and stuff. I feel like in a lot of ways worked better in the uh, in the second one. I was trying, trying to say, yeah, the second one. I like that. Um, and then what was the other thing too? That was like just like the like the Kristen Wiig character like getting out of like the clutches of the bad guy, and then it leads <laughs> to everything's downfall. I'm yeah. like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's a little like I, like of course F. Murray Abraham would take advantage of that opportunity, but like it just it was just so silly for for that movie to do <laughs> do something like that. I don't like for me it was just like what? It's <laughs> like like right right when they're right when she like returns back and then like her whole like you know did you were you followed and she's like I never look back hiccup and you're like why? <laughs> <laughs> look back. Yeah. I'm, they would have been fine. They wouldn't have had to deal with much more. But no, you had to ruin it. 
But all, <laughs> but uh, Gerard Butler returns to this movie um, in flashbacks, and those are some really nice sequences in the movie. Probably, probably my favorite usage in modern movies of uh, dead dad uh, counseling live son. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I think I think it works out. It 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 really works out. Um, it works out nicely. Um, and there, there's some there's there's a lot to talk about with with this one. I'm just trying to roll it down. But like, and I, I also like this movie too. It's just like, yeah, you know, maybe we shouldn't be you know owning the dragons. Basically, like, yeah, we're no longer killing them, but you know, they should they should be free too. You know, like maybe don't domesticate them. Yeah. I mean, again, yeah, they're like cartoon characters and so like especially with Toothless, you know, we like you it's hard to really see him as much as like to see him in that, you know, just he's just an animal kind of light, but also because they build it up as that. So, but it it is it is it brings it does bring itself to a nice conclusion in that you know, Hiccup comes to that realization that yeah, he has this close bond with with Toothless. But first off, Toothless is wild animal. Second off, Toothless, you know, has found love and wants to be with, you know, someone that he's fallen in love with. And so Hiccup and him have like a really tender moment at the end of the movie uh, where um, actually speaking of that, too, um, of that tender moment. One of my favorite things is that they really went for like the the trilogy aspect in that they made this movie somewhat um like like cyclical or like uh like have moments that called back to like uh the rest of the series especially like the first one it rhyme it rhymes with the first one in a lot of ways yes so like um like one of my favorite moments obviously one of the iconic moments like i was saying uh hiccup putting uh his hand out and then toothless uh nestling his nose into hiccup's palms very iconic shot very iconic scene that's even the poster for the first movie and so yeah. in this one, they do the reverse of that as a way to as a way to like have the two characters say goodbye to each other by having uh you know uh, them hug each other and you know say goodbye. They're both crying. I'm crying. <laughs> and, uh, um, Hiccup does the hand thing, but instead of putting his hand um, out, he takes his hand away. And so, and even the end of this movie, like the very last scene of uh, the Hidden World was um basically the end of the first movie where hiccup is riding into the sky on uh toothless but with this one it was even more like oh my gosh oh my gosh that end scene wrecks like the whole movie the whole series wrecks me but that one especially that scene especially just because it's like it's years later no yeah i mean i i feel like that that scene really like helped me help me elevate this one in a lot of ways because i thought the, the third movie was great but like that one really like cemented it like okay they knew what they were doing and they knew they really knew how to close it out honestly and now i can't imagine this i can't imagine this not as a trilogy it ha- it has to be a trilogy you know and um like they the each each one builds upon the last in, in interesting ways visually they they all look great and um I don't know. It was it was it was really good. This um this the, these three movies was that your like what would you say uh, outside of that stuff like what were some of because this is like I was saying this is your first time ever seeing these movies 
And so, like, what would you say is, like, your biggest takeaway, I guess, as far as having experienced these movies for the first time? Um, American animation is not entirely hopeless, for one, because I hear a lot of people talk about how the whole thing is dominated by Disney, or it's all dominated by Pixar, and yeah, they are definitely, they are the biggest players in town. They've been the biggest players in town for almost 100 years um, but it also shows you too that there's still there's still some spark left in American animated features. You know, I know a lot of people talk about some of the stuff that's put out on Netflix and all that, but also as far as maybe like more mainstream stuff that is that was put out in theaters, um, How to Train Your Dragon is definitely a great example of that, and I think it's something that definitely rivals that of Pixar because I think about Pixar movies and they take a concept, you know, like toys coming to life or you know, fish in the ocean, and they make, like, the best possible version you can imagine of that as an animated concept. And I feel like that's how to train your dragon. Pix uh, DreamWorks took, um, a, like, like the idea of training dragons from the book or whatever, and they, they were able to make it into this really sprawling, like, you know, great trilogy. And I'm happy that we were able to have this experience because, like, I, like, because obviously, whenever we try to figure out what types of movies we want to talk about on each of the episodes, um, every now and then it comes to a point where it's like, you know, what's a movie you haven't seen? Like, we'll talk, like, we'll mention that to each other. Like, what's a movie you haven't seen? What's a movie I haven't seen? And so, when I had mentioned, because I was, I think I was just looking at my Blu-rays, and I was just like, Joey, have you seen How to Train Your Dragon movies? And when you said no. Like I flipped. <laughs> I was like, "What?" <laughs> I think I wanted I wanted to be like Ryan Gosling in that uh, SNL skit about the Avatar logo <laughs> when when um when uh, Kate McKinnon shows uh like is like playing his therapist and he's talking about how it's just papyrus and it's not anything <laughs> else like the Avatar font is so lazy and so um so so she's like. You're having a problem with with the the logo. It's like it's it's lazy. It's horrible. She's like, and do you think they're gonna do it for the sequels? And he's like, there's more. <laughs> and so like, and he's like, so they fixed the font. They 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 fixed it. And then she's looking at the the like the like the potential like uh, logos for Avatar two, like the ones that the fans made. And she's like, it doesn't look like it did. And then he just stands up and flips a table. <laughs> he's just like. <laughs> That was me when I found out you hadn't seen these movies. I was like, are you kidding me? Because, like, I, I love, I loved all of these movies. Like, it's it's so weird, admittedly, to, like, love every movie in a trilogy. Like, I, I at least it is, I, at least I think it is. Because there, it like, is. you can like all of them, but, like, like, there's definitely ones that are clearly, like, not as good as others, and there's some, like, you know, Joey and I, like, we'll always joke about how, like, we talk about the Star Wars movies. Typically, with with those movies, uh, the third one is the worst, or, like, the second one's the best, and, like, the first one's awesome or solid, and then, like, there's the, the, the prequel trilogy where it's, like, the reverse, or it's just, like, the third one's entertaining, but the first two are just poopy. <laughs> like, like, there's not really much, like, a quality balance, at least personally in my opinion with the vast even back to the future which might sound sacrilegious to say but i love the first movie the second movie is entertaining and the third movie is entertaining but typically with back to the future i just if i watch the first movie i'll be satisfied 
Yeah, you don't need to watch. You don't need to watch the other two to get a satisfying experience for uh, Back to the Future. I definitely agree with that. So it's just it's it's nice that for once there's a consistency and even in a lot of ways an upgrading of quality within a trilogy. Where when you get to that last one, uh, even if it might not be your favorite, you're still emotionally satisfied with its conclusion. And I and I in a lot of ways I feel like that's this trilogy, hundred and ten percent. Yeah, I feel like for for me personally, the only other time I've ever felt that with a trilogy was with Planet of the Apes. Like it felt like War was such a great conclusion to both Rise and Dawn, and so, so satisfying, you know, and in and took it and diff, took the franchise in different like places and stuff you didn't expect, you know. So I think that's like the only other example I can really um, think of off the top of my head, honestly. I same. That's all. <laughs> like, like that. Yeah, hundred percent. Um. I know I'm throwing percentages out there a lot, but it's true. Uh, even like, like, you know, the Dark Knight movies. Like, I love the first one. I really love the second one, and I'm entertained by the third one. But that, but like, there's not like a a leveling or like a, you know what I mean? There's not like a like a continuing like quality thing. So it's with these movies, the How to Train Your Dragon movies. Like, I think they're like a great example of how to do a great trilogy. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, what are some of your favorite animated movie series or just animated movies in general? What's your favorite DreamWorks uh, movie? Let us know on our social media, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You know, maybe we get a shout out on the show. Um, You know, check out our YouTube channel. Our letterboxes are in our episode description. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening and tune in next week. Have a good night, everyone. So my dad was actually supposed to come out here and do this, but he's currently at war, but I can take care of it. I'm here, so I'll do the best I can. You don't think I can do it, bud? Just you watch. Thank you for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's pretty good so far, yeah. Don't forget to thank the musicians John and Kenny Armstrong for doing such a great job. They're the best, and they make great things for this show. And of course, a hint for next week's double feature. It's about 80s rock and roll teens traveling back in time and having weird edible complexes. Stay tuned. I think I did pretty good at that. What do you think, bud? Yeah, what do you know?